Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. And we'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Martin. We're going to continue this week bringing you a lot of the news that came out of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans last weekend. There was way more than we could put into last week's podcast, so we'll do a little catching up this week and bring you a lot of that news that came out of the convention. We're also looking forward to July 4th next week on Wednesday. It'll be a holiday week. Things will be really, really slow when it comes to agriculture news next week. So we're going to take the week off. We won't have a podcast next week, but we'll be right back in two weeks bringing you all of the latest news and information in Louisiana agriculture. Let's get things started right now with news headlines on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is sending acreage history and yield reports to agricultural producers in Louisiana with generic base acres covered by ARC and PLC programs. Farm Service Agency Director Craig McCain says the information will help producers decide the best option on how to allocate generic base acres, given the addition of seed cotton as a covered commodity in the programs. This week, FSA will start sending information on current generic base acres, yields, and 2008 through 2012 planting history. This summer, producers will have an opportunity to allocate their generic base acres and update their seed cotton yield. McCain says he's encouraging farmers to start working with their local FSA office as soon as possible because the summer is a very busy time for the Farm Service Agency. When you look at our historical workload, there's a lot of work that takes place not only on the farm, but at FSA during the months of June, July, and then early August. And uh, that's going to be uh, exacerbated a little bit this year because we recognize that there's been a change in uh, the program that allows cotton growers to now uh, we're going to implement the seed cotton program so there'll be a lot of work relative to the cotton growers in the state. We recognize that uh, a lot of uh, part of the country and a few areas in Louisiana were affected by a hurricane uh, last year and there is now a uh, hurricane indemnity program that we'll be administering in some parts of the state. And then you recognize that uh, like in the sugar country, the number of, of just simple number of fields of sugar that have to be processed in this uh, short period of time by personnel, it's going to be challenging. And what I've encouraged producers to do is to, is to try to work with FSA to schedule your appointments as soon as you possibly can, 
to try to get organized and to try to make this uh, process as efficient as it possibly can be. Because FSA is just as interested in providing that efficient service to a producer as that producer is in having that quick turnaround in the county office. And so if we work together and if we set out with a common goal of trying, of recognizing what has to be done and getting it done, uh, I think we can get it and, and be done with it by the middle of July and then move on to the other challenges that uh, producers in the agency will face. Louisiana Farm Service Agency Director Craig McCain. 2018 is turning out to be a very good year for the Louisiana rice crop. Don Molino has more. According to Dr. Dustin Harrell, LSU Extension Service Ag Center rice specialist at the Rice Research Station in Crowley, the crop across Louisiana is looking good right now. We had some problems early on, early in the season. We had a, a winter conditions longer than we're used to. We had some short rice out there and it really wasn't moving along. But we got to uh, mid to late April and it kind of changed. We went from winter to hot very quick uh, and the crop really took off and uh, hasn't really looked back since. Now, we did have a period of time uh, where we had pretty much drought conditions uh, here in, in, in Louisiana. And um, people think that you can't really grow rice in a drought, but that's not true. Uh, as long as you have the irrigation capacity and you can keep that field flooded, uh, it's actually the best environment to grow rice. And so our rice has looked very good in those areas where we could be able to keep the water on the field. And as we moved into uh, reproductive growth now, uh, into the flowering stages, uh, the rice is still looking good. We had very low disease starting off, but the past, uh, I would say, two weeks, we've actually had some rain come in the area, and that has picked up the disease pressure a little bit. We've seen a little bit more sheath blight uh, in the area and some blasts, but over, overall, I would say it's probably a little bit lower pressure than we see in the average year. So, so far the crop looks good as long as we don't get some excessive temperatures during flowering and glaring fill. Uh, I think we're going to have better yields this year than we've had probably in the last three years where we've had some uh, challenges with flooding of rice and, and uh, some high nighttime temperatures and the whole gamut. So, so far, as long as nothing happens, I, I, I feel we'll have one of our better years in a while. LSU Rice Specialist, Dr. Dustin Harrell. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. USDA released its latest crop production estimates on Friday morning, showing that soybean and rice acreage in Louisiana is going up, while corn, cotton, and other crops are going down. Soybeans continue to reign as king in Louisiana, USDA estimating 1.4 million acres of soybeans this year. That's up 130,000 from a year ago. It's a close run for second place. Corn, rice, and sugarcane all very close. Louisiana corn estimated acreage at 430,000 acres. That's down 70,000 from a year ago. Sugarcane is estimated at the same acreage as corn, 430,000 acres. That's down 19,600 from a year ago. And rice is right in there at 410,000 acres. That's up 10,000 from a year ago. Other smaller acreage crops include sorghum at 10,000 acres. That's down 5,000 from a year ago. Winter wheat at 15,000. That's down 5,000 from a year ago. Sweet potatoes estimated at 10,000 acres. That's unchanged from last year. 
Louisiana cotton acreage has the potential to go up if prices improve. That's according to George LaCour. He's a Louisiana cotton producer who's also chairman of the Cotton Board. At the recent Louisiana Farm Bureau convention, LaCour said he is very bullish on the future of the Louisiana cotton industry. Cotton consumption is only going to grow. I mean, polyester just is not sustainable for the environment and it's come home to roost. The, the price of cotton has to go up, okay? So uh, for us to increase acres in Louisiana, and I, th- I think you're starting to see that because the globe around the world can't produce cotton for 60 cents a pound. And the Chinese have worked, are working out of their oversupply. The Chinese have moved their uh, production toward grains toward food, uh, that's what's going to do it. And I think everything's lined up to be bullish for cotton today, okay? Between the sustainability issues and the, and the demand and the supply. So I, I think we've got it, we've, it's been a long time, but I think we've, we've turned the tide and, and, and cotton prices in the 80s and 90s could be a way of norm. And that price can put the Louisiana cotton producer back in the field planting cotton. Louisiana cotton producer George LaCour, who also serves as chairman of the Cotton Board. The U.S. Senate passed its version of the 2018 Farm Bill this week. The measure now goes to conference committee. We'll have more on the Farm Bill in our next podcast in two weeks. Coming up next is grassroots government. We'll hear from Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry Mike Strain as he addressed the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention last week about what's going on in the Louisiana legislature. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests. So join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On our Grassroots Government segment today, we feature comments from Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. Strain addressed the recent Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans about what's been going on at the state legislature. He says it has been a never-ending fight to protect agriculture from new taxes. We have been successful in making sure they don't tax agriculture. How many times have we pulled those back? And sometimes in the last minutes, if you get into the last hours of the last special session, I wish I could tell you which one it was, which special session it was. We've been in through nine sessions, so it would have been special session number six maybe, right? In the final hours at 8 o'clock at night, they've decided they're going to move another bill. And I see the author of the bill look up at the camera because he knows I'm upstairs watching him. 
right? And he starts grinning. So I know he's grinning at me, my good friend Jean-Paul, right? And they put agriculture into 4.5% taxation on the bill. And so, of course, you know, now y'all already down there, and y'all see me in the hall, so just, just calm down, right? And John, Bell, and, and John Paul said, you know, Doc, I was a little bit worried, so why? He said, I thought I was going to give you a heart attack. I said, from hearing you or running down here to deal with this? But at the end of the day, you know, we knew that that was a motion to get us involved to try to help move something forward. But every time we've been successful in making sure that agriculture and forestry and aquaculture is not unduly taxed. And the reason is that we cannot be, have unfair taxation is because we will become non-competitive. It's real simple. It's real simple. Nowhere in the United States is agriculture, its inputs or its outputs taxed. You know, we, had, we have our tractor dealerships with here today, and thank you very, very much. I tried to eat as much as I can to get some of that money back from them parts I buy. <laughs> They're reasonable. But the truth is, the truth is in those discussions, if we tax agricultural equipment at 4.5%, do you think our dealership's going to sell anything? No. It's going to go across the state line. What is a penny on a load of soybeans mean? $1,400, $1,500? What's two pennies on a tractor trailer load of cattle mean? $2,400. And when you look at the largest industry in Louisiana, the largest industry in America, and the fight is to protect the corpus of that industry, and that's our battle every day. And it's not Democrat, it's not Republican. It's by a group of legislators who simply do not understand the greater picture. And we work hard to educate them. Very hard. We work hard to deal with them. Very hard. And at the end of the day, we've got to work hard to make sure we can outvote them. But I, we've dealt with this issue many times. Strain says another tough fight has been protecting dedicated funds for agricultural services. Bills to go in and take those monies. They were successful in undedicating all the monies going into DEQ. Years ago, they got a third state general fund a third from fines and a third from fees assessed on industry. Last year, in order to get off state general fund, they went back to industry and said, listen, would you agree to pay a little bit more? They said yes. And this year they went and undedicated that money and put it in the general treasury. So we're talking about the Bow Weaver Fund. We're talking about the pesticide fund, which they really tried hard to get. The funds for the finance authority, the seed fund, the fertilizer fund. That is not their money. Those are not general tax dollars. And what I tell those, the legislators, if you want to pass a tax and get money to spend on something, have the courage to pass a tax, don't come take money from someone else. Because again, what's our number one job after health and safety? Protect the foundation of the economy. Because they say, well, we're not here to take any of your money. We're just going to undedicate the funds. <laughs> I don't even have to tell you the rest of the story. But that is a fight we're going to have today and tomorrow and the next day. And I try to explain, every time you try to do that, you break the covenant that has existed between us and the legislature and the people of this state, the covenant and the trust. And once you break that covenant, it doesn't go back. And that's a huge issue now, a huge issue. 
Strain says Louisiana agriculture has some very good friends in the Louisiana legislature. However, they won't be around forever. We have some true champions in the legislature. Senator Thompson, Senator Reiser, Senator Walsworth, Senator Aland, doing a tremendous job. Senator Mills has been working with us. Representative Schecksneider, Representative Anders, Representative um, Bubba Cheney, and others. We have some true champions holding the line. Representative Katrina Jackson, holding the line. But here's the rest of the story. 2019 is coming. It's election year. We are going to have a new House and a new Senate. The majority will be freshmen. The majority. Very few old-timers. Very little institutional knowledge. And the reason I bring that to you, we are actively, and we need you to actively do what this organization was set up to do. Be politically involved. Find people to run in these seats. Good, honest, rural, agricultural people. We cannot continue to be successful without members in that body. And you're going to have to talk to them. You're going to have to recruit them. You're going to have to get behind them. And when you do get behind somebody, help them financially, help them personally, help them spiritually, get out in that campaign. And once they get elected, stay with them. Understand when they have to make those hard votes. You may not like 100% of the votes, but understand why they are doing it. Comments from Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry Dr. Mike Strain at the recent Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans on this week's Grassroots Government. Coming up next, it's time to go in the field. We talk with Louisiana sugarcane producer Greg Gravois next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country, and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family, and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We go in the field this week to talk with Louisiana sugarcane producer Greg Gravois of St. James Parish. We caught up with Greg during the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention last week in New Orleans and asked him to first tell us a little about his cane operation. Right now, we're probably running about 5,000 acres. It's a family operation, so we got multiple generations on the farm, and we're steadily trying to grow cane. Well, Greg, first, let's do a little bit of education, if you will. Sugar cane is a very different crop compared to a lot of the other crops that we grow in Louisiana. You have a different planting season. You have a different harvesting season. Uh, first, tell me about you know when do you plant 
and when do you harvest sugar cane? Well, like you said, we're a little bit backwards. We actually do our planting in August, and we traditionally plant about 20% of our acreage every year. And we use the whole stalk of the cane, known as a seed piece, and we'll try to plant three to four running stalks in a six-foot row, cover it up, do that in August, September. And it'll grow up until about the first frost or freeze, November, December. Stay dormant until January, the end of February. Then it'll reemerge out of the ground in the spring. And hopefully we can get four cuttings after that planting off of that one planting. So sugarcane is not an annual crop. It grows back every year, and you'll usually get, as you said, three to four years of production before you have to replant. So that's the reason you're planting about 20% of your crop each year, correct? Correct. Cane is a return crop, and we'll try to get those. Depending on weather, sometimes we can squeeze an extra one out. But like last year where we got down into single digits in some areas of the cane belt, uh, some of those stands were affected. So we may lose one year of harvest off of those crops. But for the most part, we'll get three to four. So let's look at your crop this year. What stage of production are you in? What's going on on your farm right now? Right now, as far as Field chores right now is taking care of what we call fallow ground. Most most of the ground has soybeans in it right now. The remainder of it's trying to be laser leveled and hip up some rows in it. Uh, the cane itself is often growing on its own, probably growing about an inch a day, and hopefully it'll get tall enough to plant around beginning of August. And then we'll start harvest. Uh, end of September, beginning of October, and that'll go on until it's finished latter part of December or the first part of January. Now, you already alluded to the fact that we had an unusually harsh winter. Sugarcane is not necessarily a that cold tolerant of a crop. Do you feel like uh, the winter that we had this year set back your crop in any way or affected the, your regular growing cycle? Some varieties tend to take the cold better than others, and in the river area where we're located, that helps buffer us a little bit. The, the eight inches of snow actually acted as an insulator, so it kind of protected us from that cold freeze afterwards. But there are some varieties that didn't withstand the cold as much, and those had to be plowed out. So far this summer, though, it's been a pretty good growing season for you. So far, uh, the fields have been wet. We could use a little bit more sunshine, but uh, we usually roll with what Mother Nature provides. Greg, I want to talk to you a little bit about farm policy. The farm bill right now is being debated in Washington. We've already seen a tax on the U.S. sugar program. Tell me about how important that program is to you and all of the sugarcane farmers around you in this area. That program is managed by USDA. It manages the amount of imports that come into this country. Uh, There were several amendments to try to do away with that program. So far, we've been able, through our lobbying efforts, to fight those back. Uh, What that allows us to do is is give us a, a sense of security as to whether cane is still sustainable to plant economically. What would happen to you, your neighbors, your community around you if that program was done away with? That program was done away with. Louisiana's probably one of the few areas where you can grow cane this far, this far north. And northern guys are a little bit more diversified with grain. We're not able to do that so much down here. You're talking about 120,000 jobs in the state. You're talking about billions of dollars of economic impact as far as mills, refiners, uh, 
farm employees. Uh, it'd be detrimental to lose this program down south Louisiana. You mentioned that soybeans are planted often on fallow ground. Do you have any beans in this year, and how do they look? Beans so far are looking pretty good. Uh, they haven't received any floods yet, and that's always a blessing. Just hope for the best right now. Greg Gravois, sugarcane producer. Greg, appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Kerry. Louisiana sugarcane producer Greg Gravois from St. James Parish. Coming up next, it's time to take a look inside the markets. Our regular market analysts are standing by Greg Fox and Dave Foster with a look at the grain and livestock markets. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And to talk about the markets, we go to Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, USDA released a big crop production report this morning. What did you see in that report? Nothing really exciting. A lot of the numbers were pretty much in line with some of the estimates, a majority of the estimates, and stock-wise. Corn and beans both came in pretty much where everybody expected them. Planted acres, you know, corn came in at 89.1, soybeans 89.6. I think the big shock there is that beans didn't break 90 million acres planted, but um, no big surprises. You know, it was nice to see the market rally for a little while, but it's closing lower on the beans, corn up a nickel and wheat up 18, 17 cents. Uh, Not sure why wheat went up. Nothing was really showed signs that wheat was going to make a big one either, but uh, kind of a bland report today. Well, Greg, you already mentioned the fact that soybeans, you know, I got a good bounce right after the report was released at 11 o'clock, but ended up closing lower again. We just can't seem to find anything to push this soybean market higher right now. No, I mean, stock numbers are solid. You know, you look at 1.22 million bushels, and then you look at, you know, 89 million acres. You know, we're still looking at 3 billion bushel bean crop, easy. So, you know, we're not in danger of running out, and then everything circles back to the tariff talks. As long as that's out there, these guys don't want to jump out there and buy grain. They've already got shipments that are purchased a long time ago that's going to, they're, they're going to be loaded soon. They'll probably cancel those purchases because they don't want to pay the tariff. So we're going to see some rocky waves, I think, before things start to straighten out and we get to the point where either there is a tariff, there isn't a tariff, and then if there is a tariff, you're going to see this cash market try to sort things out so that the Chinese buyers are willing to jump back in. Uh, now, that could be a number of things. We could see our market get lower, or you could see where Brazil, their price gets higher, and then that kind of helps offset some of our price, because everybody's going to compare it to Brazil. You know, what can I pay for these beans in Brazil? And that's going to, I think, be the, the mark for where China's going to want to jump in and buy. 
Greg, what are you hearing out in the country as far as crop conditions go? When I look at the the weekly crop condition report that came out on Monday, as far as soybeans go, we've got things all over the board, anywhere from 13% of the crop in the excellent category to 12% of it poor to very poor. seems like conditions are just very varied across the state. I guess that's according to where this scattered rain has been. Yeah, I talked to guys that have grain on you know, Highway 90, sugarcane farmers, and I saw some of that stuff over the weekend. Beautiful crop. Looks really great. They've been catching the rains, you know, nice, pretty green plant. And I talked to a guy in Natchitoches who's struggling to get rain on his bean crop. You know, they don't look very strong. I'm hoping it comes up. You know, I talked to some guys that are in West Baton Rouge Parish area that uh, haven't gotten hardly any of the rain that we've seen just roll through, you know, just the general Baton Rouge area. It's been very scattered. So, you know, some guys look really good. Um, other guys don't look strong at all. Uh, on Highway 14 between Abbeville and Gaydon, I've seen some beans there that historically struggle. Uh, looked great. They're catching plenty of rain. So it's, it's all over the place. But, you know, hopefully, you know, the quality is still going to be there. You know, despite, you know, you might not have the yield, but we really need to get away with a good quality year. We don't need any floods or too much rain at harvest. You know, we need to have a good quality year just to kind of help some of the stuff that's still sitting out there on the river. Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot, Greg. Appreciate it. No problem. Anytime, sir. The soybean market closed lower to end the week. July beans down two and three quarters, 858 and a half. November soybeans down three and a half, 880 a bushel. Corn closed higher. July up five and a quarter, 350 and a quarter. September corn up five and a quarter, 359 and a half. July wheat up 18 cents, closing at 497 and a half. Rough rice was steady to higher. New crop September rice up a half penny. At 11.22 and a half. A higher close in the cotton market. October cotton up 60 points, 85.17. New crop December cotton up 37, closing at 83.92. September sugar up 60 points to close at 26.11. And now we turn to talk about the cattle markets. We go to our regular market analyst, Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. How you doing today, Dave? Doing fine, Kerry. Thank you. We are getting ready for a great holiday this week, July 4th coming up, of course, on Wednesday. It's a great beef grilling holiday, but it also puts a bit of a disruption into our markets. Uh, How is that going to affect the cattle markets this coming week, Dave? Yes, sir. All the auction barns in Louisiana will be closed uh, next week, uh, and really as well as through the southeast. So this is kind of a a deal that where all the southeast markets uh, do close the week of July 4th. So there again, that will be something to see. And and as you said in the lead-in, that our markets this week really have been reflective of the holiday. The market started out, feeder cattle were a a little bit cheaper on Monday and then into Tuesday a little bit. But by the time they got to midweek, it was like, uh, oh, they woke up and said, hey, we may need some cattle to finish out some loads or whatever. And so there were some auction markets on Wednesday that I talked to that uh, said that their markets came a little bit higher than the week before. So that was certainly a positive thing. But now where we are is we're done for all intents and purposes. We're done with holidays uh, after this Wednesday until we get to Labor Day. So on the cattle market side, what happens to us is everything really, really focuses on a weather market. Storms and the grazing plars, uh, no rain, and all of these kinds of things and factors 
will factor into what will happen uh, to us here uh, locally. Well, Dave, what have you seen here in the local cattle markets in Louisiana over the last few weeks? Our markets, you know, for the past month, really, our receipts have picked up, and that's a, an issue of our fallborn calves coming to market earlier. But what will really happen is uh, our big fall runs won't start till the middle of August, and so that's kind of what we're looking at and shaping up to. So, again, between now and let's say the middle of August, it will be just that. It will be kind of uh, one week to the next. It may be a little higher, maybe a little lower, not any real big shakes. Uh, they'll start buying uh, these processors that process the meat for ground beef. They'll start picking up the first part of August to the Labor Day deal. They'll want to gather up cows to produce that school lunch beef and that sort of thing. So anyway, that's kind of what's going to happen with this big wall of cattle that these packers have been able to work through relatively good and these feeders have been really really good about moving cattle forward and not having a lot of cattle backed up they're very current that has really 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 helped and so i think we're in kind of a good positive position the only place that these grazers and backgrounders can buy these lighter weight cattle going on to a grass deal or getting ready for the wheat deal the only place where they can get those from this time of year, from say mid-August until really the 1st of November, is in the Southeast Complex. And so we'll be in a position, I think, take advantage. So all your listeners, Carrie, uh, we just need to be in tune with that. Make your marketing decisions based around that deal. Uh, check with your marketing reps, be it uh, your auction guy, your, your uh, video rep, your direct sale people, whatever, whoever you use to market your cattle. Be in touch with them and, and make sure that you get posted on the markets. Uh, and listen to this podcast every week because we get you posted as well. Dave, you mentioned weather earlier and how we're really watching the weather around the country and how it affects us. One thing that I keep a close eye on each week is the Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report. And you and I have discussed this in the past. And looking at the numbers that came out on Monday of this week, we're still showing about 22% of Louisiana pastures in poor to very poor condition. And that's despite the fact that, you know, we've had some pretty good showers around the state. Um, to me, that's kind of a shocker that our pastures are still in such a tough condition. And I know that puts a lot of our cattlemen in a tough position. Yeah, you're right. And what has happened is, as, as you probably know as well, that 22% represents those folks that weren't lucky enough when their neighbor just down the road a mile and a half got two inches of rain and they maybe got a quarter of an inch. And that's from talking to people throughout the state. That has been the prevalent comment is that when I ask, well, what's your pastures look like? How about rain? How you been doing with that? And some will say, oh boy, we got rain just at the right time. I will tell you this. I, I had a fellow that I talked to on Monday and his comment was this when I said about the rain. He said, we're fortunate. Uh, the last rain showers in the last three or four days that we were able to get, we got about three and a half inches. But Dave, with this heat and humidity, we're about four days away from a drought. So I guess to me, that, that kind of spoke volumes. But to your point, uh, Kerry, what will happen, we've got people that are worried about getting enough hay. We got people that are worried about having some pasture, summer pasture that they normally do. Some folks that need the hay, or, and if they're able to water, 
I mean, it's uh, it has gotten to maybe not real, real serious, but I'll tell you what, it's on all our folks' mind for sure. Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. As always, Dave, thanks so much for the insight. Oh, you're more than welcome. Coming up next, we take a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar and wrap up this edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. On the Louisiana Ag Calendar this week, things are quiet. As we've already mentioned several times in the podcast, this is July 4th week. Wednesday is our Independence Day holiday, so we really don't have any ag events scheduled for this week. The next thing that we have coming up on our calendar is next week, July the 11th. That's next Wednesday, and that is the Franklin Parish Soil Health Field Day. That's going to be held in Winsboro. If you'd like more information on the Franklin Parish Soil Health Field Day in Winsboro, you can check out the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Institute website. It's Louisiana. LouisianaGLCI.org. That'll give you more information on that field day. Well, that wraps up this week's podcast, and I hope that you and your family have a great 4th of July holiday this week. We will be doing the same with our family, and we're going to take the week off. So no podcast this next week because of the 4th of July holiday. So we'll see you right back here in two weeks. In the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter, at Voice of LA Ag. We update both of those accounts every weekday with the latest news and information in Louisiana agriculture. Have a great 4th of July. We'll see you right back here in two weeks on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.